The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about live earth. It was awesome, but now what? The singing may be over, but not the song. And that is to say, we all still need to be united to deal with, try to stem the problem of global warming. Sometimes that can seem like an overwhelming idea. What can I do to stop global warming? But really, every one of us can do things in our lives that really don't take that much effort in order to um, try to start to fix the problem. And the clock is ticking. Um, on Saturday, July 7th, which is kind of an ironic date since 7-7, uh, was the date that the terrorist attack hit London uh, originally, the, main, the, the one that killed 52 people and, and injured more than 700. Um, but anyway, some people have said that that date is lucky, obviously not at that time in London. But in any case, the date aside, um, that is when there was this uh, array of concerts uh, called Live Earth or also the Concerts for a Climate in Crisis. And over 2 billion people watched or participated in these concerts via television, satellite radio, and the Internet, and of course in person. And um, these uh, nine concerts took place on seven uh, continents, and they occurred in New York, Rio de Janeiro, Sydney, Tokyo, Shanghai, Johannesburg, Hamburg, London, and Washington. And Al Gore was in Washington and uh, orchestrating <laughs> this whole phenomenon, which was no easy feat um, that in itself, you know, it really, if nothing else, it really is wonderful to see people get together for a cause that they believe in. Um, Al Gore spoke uh, and um, to, on video link to everyone, and he talked about how not many years from now our children and grandchildren will ask one of two questions looking back at us in 2007. Either they will ask, what were they thinking? Didn't they hear the scientists, see the evidence? Didn't they care, or were they too busy? Or they will ask the second question, which he preferred, which is, um, how did they get their act together to successfully solve the climate crisis? And that is what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, it really isn't, you know, the, the idea that it's, Overwhelming to think of fixing all the species that are that were, are being lost every day, um, the the ice that's melting. I mean, all of the different things that are the climate change having uh, all different kinds of um, very destructive climactic events occurring throughout the world. All of these things should be 
waking us up to this problem. Um, but just because it seems like such a huge problem doesn't mean that we should just shrug our shoulders and say, you know, well, what can we do? And, and uh, yes, this is this is scary, but we'll be dead by then, uh, which is not really true because it's happening now. But there are really many, many things that each of us can do. And, again, it just takes being aware and making an effort. And that's what my guest is going to help us to do today. Uh, his name is Lance Webster, and he's a founder and administrative director of ECHO, the Earth Communications Office. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Carol. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, what, what about, let's talk first about the concert, since um, that's sort of the exciting event that at least woke people up to the fact, those people who were sleeping under a rock, um, to the fact that there is a problem with global warming. What did you think of it? Well, you know, I, it, it was an ex- obviously it was an extraordinary event to pull off co- uh, a series of concerts all around the world with with so many top musicians and and celebrities and and experts and so forth. The main purpose of it, you know, some people might say, well, it seems like a lot of wasted time, energy, and money. But when you figure that two billion people watched it, uh, some at least some part of it, and that it was sprinkled throughout with Suggest simple, doable suggestions, things that people could do to make a difference. You have to believe that it was money and time well spent. Um, you know, I, I've heard criticisms. Oh, well, they must have used a lot of uh, airplane fuel to get people to different places and so forth. Yeah, that's true, but that's a one-time usage that helps you know billions of people learn how they can be more uh, kind to the planet and to the environment. So you know, my my view is that it's a it was an extraordinary event. It was uh, well pulled off. I didn't, of course, watch the whole thing because I have other work to do, seven days a week. But uh, I dipped in and out of it during the the numerous concerts and and found it you know both enjoyable and informational and educational. And uh, you know, my hope is that we're kind of reaching a tipping point. Uh, you know, there are people who say that, that environmentally we're reaching a tipping point where uh, if we don't act, it'll be too late. And I think with ter- in terms of people's awareness, we're reaching a tipping point where enough people are having enough concern that we can start to make a difference. Yes, I, I think I agree with you, and certainly the, the live are Earth Concerts did a lot for that. Of course, your organization did, too, and we'll talk about what your organization does. Um, It's just I I think that um, people need to kind of continue to hear all the the different tips that they can do themselves and realize that, yes, I can do this, and then next week I can add on and do that, and, you know, just to continue to add on things that people can do um, and, and get past that point of helplessness. You know, people uh, people have a tendency to think, well, you know, I'm just one person. What can I do? Um, I have a I have a water bottle uh, with a little tap on it next to my bed, and so I can have water at night if I want it. And there was a leak in the spigot on that water bottle, and so I put a little paper cup underneath the spigot. And you know, about a drop every couple of minutes would fall down into the into the cup, and the cup didn't spill.
spill over until the last single drop mm-hmm. dropped in. Uh, I think of it like that. I think that, you know, every person's action is one small drop. And at some point, all those drops together spill the cup and, and water starts running over. Uh, I gave a speech recently where I used the analogy of the little Dutch boy who, who put his finger in the dike and st- stayed there all night. Most people have heard the story, uh, whether it's true or, or apocryphal, I don't know. But, but you know, the, the little Dutch boy was walking along. The dikes are what protect uh, his country from being overrun by the sea. And uh, every every little Dutch boy knows that if if they don't take care of the dikes, they're all gone. Their families, their homes, their land, everything is gone. And he's walking along uh, one evening, and, and it's kind of late, and he sees a little leak in the dike, and he puts his finger in, and he stays there, and he figures, he calls for help, and nobody comes. And what does he do? Does he pull his finger out and run away? Does he ignore it? Does he forget about it? No, he stays there all night, thinking that he will probably die as it gets cold and he gets numb. But he stays there all night. In the mor- early morning hours, uh, a minister comes by and sees him and says, what are you doing? And he says, you know, I'm, I'm making a difference, in essence. He said, I'm, I'm holding back the, the ocean. That's, what each one of us, that's the way each one of us has to look at every little thing that we do to, to make a difference with the environment. So, you know, I, when I bought a car last year, a new car, you know, I, went a, I spent a little more money than I really wanted to and, and bought a car that gets, you know, essentially about 50 miles to the gallon instead of my old car, which got 15. Hmm. That is a heck of a lot less gas that we are having to import, and that's a heck of a lot less uh, emissions that are going into the air. So, you know, I lowered my lifestyle a little bit. I can't spend quite as much money on eating out or some other things because I'm spending a little more on car payments for a car that makes a large difference over the six years that I'll have it, or maybe mm-hmm. eight or ten years. Um, same is true with light bulbs. You know, the new the new light bulbs uh, use far less energy than the standard incandescent light bulbs, you know, the little spiral ones. Yes, but I have a question about that. Um I, I heard some random, I don't remember where I heard this, um, but someone, maybe on the radio, I guess, someone was talking about how there are some studies or a study that talked about the fact that there might be some danger in those light bulbs in, in some of the, uh, I don't know, the radiation or something that they emit. Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually haven't heard that. I've got uh, a number of them in, in my home and... and I'm not glowing at this point. <laughs> I, you know, this is a real this is a real problem in in the whole environmental movement is that there are powerful forces mm-hmm. that want to maintain the status quo. Yes. And with the internet being uh, essentially unedited, anybody can put anything out. And, and radio, you know, radio tends to be radio talk shows tend to be conservative. Uh, so they're going to they're going to listen to those voices a little more than they listen to the uh, voices that are concerned about the environment. You know, I, somebody said you bought a Prius. Well, the Prius has has uh, batteries that in the construction of those batteries they they damage the environment. Uh, I don't remember exactly how. 
Well, that may be, but there are many other reasons for getting the Prius, and it's a trade-off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of things are trade-offs. Yes, and I, I do want to talk about the forces that are, um, I mean, you would think that everyone would want this since it affects all of us, and yet there are these forces out there that are trying to uh, get in the way, the same forces that that brought out, um, you know, that, that criticized live Earth concerts because it's, it, I guess it's frightening to see that, in fact, two billion people uh, could be concerned about this, you know. Uh, not just be a tipping point. Yes. Not just there for a free concert. <laughs> well, stay tuned. Um, we're talking today about uh, our Earth and its endangered, and we being the endangered species. My guest is Lance Webster. He is a founder and administrative director of ECHO, the Earth Communications Office. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. 
Muscular Development presents Noble Radio, bringing you the latest news, gossip, and controversy from the world of bodybuilding. Uncensored, uncompromised, and unrestrained in true MD style. Hosted by the infamous muscle mob, Larry Pepe, John Romano, and Dave Palumbo. Welcome top IFBB professional bodybuilders, industry insiders, and characters you won't find anywhere else every week. Noble Radio broadcasts each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you've ever wondered what the Stern Show would sound like if Howard was a bodybuilding fan, then tune in and find out. Noble Radio, uncensored, uncompromised, unrestrained. Family Roots Radio brings to the Voice America Network a lively discussion of family history research featuring a wide range of how-to elements designed to assist all people interested in family history, from the novice to the professional. Join host Corey Meyerink, genealogist, every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Network for an experience the entire family will enjoy. Corey will invite well-known genealogist guests to discuss important genealogical topics and share research tips and will interactively explore effective ways to use software and the internet in the pursuit of family history including spotlighting data rich websites our mission of family roots radio is to help everyone have more success in their family history research by sharing the expertise and insights of professional genealogists with all listeners so join us live every thursday at 1 p.m pacific on the voice america network for family roots radio VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about what, beyond live earth, what, what do we do now? My guest is Lance Webster. He's the founder and administrative director of ECHO, the Earth Communications Office. Why don't we start with that? Um, why don't you tell us what ECHO stands for and, and uh, well, literally. Uh, um, yeah, ECHO stands for Earth Communications. Yeah, that's right. Um, how, you, actually, how you founded it? I mean, actually, I was surprised to, to see that well, you, you founded it. I actually found it. Well, you were uh, one of the founders. Yeah, but, I came along a few months it was founded by Bonnie Reese, who was an entertainment industry lawyer. Okay. And she had as a client uh, an actor named Arnold Schwarzenegger and another client named Tom Cruise. And she was, she was an, a, a lawyer and did accounting and, and that kind of stuff for them. And she pulled together those resources. And then I came along a couple months later and helped her generate about 1,500 members in the entertainment industry. So it was an entertainment industry organization. Designed to use the power of the entertainment industry to get the message about the environment out hmm. worldwide. Well, we didn't start thinking worldwide. We start started thinking U.S. wide, and and we worked on things like working with the film studios to green the the studios. And before long, in the early '90s, all virtually all the major film studios had hired environmental experts. We did things like get them to stop using endangered hardwood from the Philippines uh, for cassette construction and uh, we got uh, the music industry for example uh, it took about two years to do this it was very difficult but we got the movie uh, the music industry to abandon the wasteful packaging on long box uh, long box packaging for cds 
We had to do that by going to, to celebrities like Olivia Newton-John and Barbara Streisand and other people and get them to insist with their record companies that they would only allow their albums to be sold in jewel box packaging. Hmm. Uh, things like that. And then we, we some of our members, uh, actors and, and others, started producing, you know, with our advice, started producing public service announcements uh, Michael T. Weiss, for example, who was a soap opera actor at that time, produced, uh, he's gone on to have series, but uh, he pulled together a group of soap opera stars and, and produced a series of uh, public service announcements that were aired in daytime soap operas. And that got us thinking that that's the way to go. And, and our first, I think it was 1991, our first uh, um, uh, public service announcement, which was produced for movie theater use, uh, was uh, called Wonderful World, and essentially it was simple. It was Willie Nelson singing the song Wonderful World, which he's well known for, uh, with his, uh, you know, tremendous voice. Um, and and there were beautiful scenes from around the world of woodlands and rivers and oceans and animals and so forth. And over it, we just put some of the recycling statistics and some of the ways that people were making a difference. We had a challenge. Movie theaters didn't want to air anything depressing, so we couldn't try and scare people about the environment. So we set a goal early on to be empowering and to create messages that empower people. And we did that for 10 years, all the way through the, uh, up until about 2001, I think. You know, let me just stop you for a minute. You know, that was one of the things that surprised me, that actually this had started in 1989. I mean, a lot of people think that um, global warming or the the concern about it uh, started with Al Gore and an inconvenient truth, when actually this problem has been recognized and been around for much longer. We just haven't been listening enough. I I don't want to say that we take credit for Al Gore, but Al Gore back in in, uh, 1991 was on our advisory board. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I think it was 1993 that he actually attended our conference on the environment. Uh, starting in, in 89, we had an annual conference for entertainment industry people, bringing in environmental experts, politicians. Our, our biggest conference was in uh, 1990, and it was uh, it drew 1,500 people to a sacred Indian site up in the, the hills over Malibu, overlooking the entire bay. Hmm. And we had several U.S. Senators, uh, Tom Cruise and Dr. Tom Lovejoy from the Smithsonian, were the co-chairs of the conference. And um, it was an amazing event, a full day of environmental experts, Native Americans. You know, we've, we've been putting this message out, yeah, you're right, for, let's see, 89, that's uh, 17 or 18 years. But when I talked earlier about a tipping point, you know, the... Al Gore has done an amazing job with An Inconvenient Truth, both the book and the video, in really bringing this to the forefront. And and with this uh, uh, series of concerts, which I, you know he inspired and participated in. So it's you know yes, you're right. It's it has been going on a long time. You remember the first Earth Day was back in the 70s, 1970s, and uh, that's when. And and if you go all the way back to the early 60s. Rachel Carson's um, uh-huh, Silent uh, Spring. Yeah, Silent Spring started to call attention to it, but there have been some amazing books recently. I just got through reading two right here: um, "Climate Crash: Abrupt Climate Change and What It Means for Our Future" by John D. Cox, an amazing book that that looks into the science 
of the ice cores that they've been taking from, from the Arctic and the Antarctic, which give an exact history going back thousands of years of what the weather and the temperature and the environment has been like. And they can now, you know, what, what they now see, which they didn't realize before, was that instead of climate change being gradual, it can happen very suddenly. Not as suddenly as the movie Day After Tomorrow, which was popular a couple years back, which showed uh, the climate change happening in a matter of days or hours. But clearly, clearly the history that we now can see scientifically shows us that climate change can happen in a few years. And when you talk about global warming, you have to, you have to also talk about climate change. You know, one of the arguments that people have against global warming is, well, look, it's, it, you know, it's cooler in some places, or last year wasn't as hot, or two years ago, or whatever. Um, it's, climate change means that climates change, or, as the Earth heats up, climates change. And, you know, one thing for sure is that England and northern Europe will get colder. That's been happening, and wetter. That's been happening. If you look at the rains the past couple of years in England and the flooding, well, wait, but wait, it's also been getting hotter in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you've, you've had, uh, in France, for example, what, tens of thousands of people died from the heat. Yes, I mean, both in England and France. It's, it's, so it's, that, it's going to the extremes in the winter and the summer. And that's what's happening to the weather. The, as the earth heats up, weather will get to extremes. You know, there will be stronger hurricanes. Uh, there will be more tornadoes. There will be droughts. There will be floods. We're having floods all across the Midwest, uh, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, right now. That's part of climate change. And people say, well, we've always had floods. Yes, we have, but it's going to get worse. We've always had hurricanes. Yes, we have, but they're going to be more and they're going to be stronger. These are things we, now, we can now see by looking at the history of the planet. I'm not a scientist. I can't give you all the technicalities. But, it's, you know, I've been listening to scientists since we created ECHO back in 1989. And, you know, they have been, back in 89 and 90, we were telling people, we've got about 10 years hmm. in which to ma start making a difference to before climate uh, change and global warming go beyond our ability to change them. Well, you know, enough change has happened to drag that out a little bit. The question is, can we continue to stretch out the ultimate dangers until we can figure out more ways to fix them mm -hmm. or to prevent them or more people to buy light bulbs that don't put tons and tons of pollutants into the air? You know, I think one light bulb saves a ton of pollutants every year, you know? Mm. There's another book called The Last Hours of Ancient Sunset by, um, I'm sorry, The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight by an author named Tom Hartman, and uh, that looks at how oil and gas are the productions of, essentially, of plant growth uh, millions of years ago, and plant growth is caused by sunlight. So the sunlight, so sunlight over a period of time created plants which died and created oil and gas, natural gas. Well, we're now, we have now used up, it's pretty clear we've used up more than half of the available oil and natural gas in the past 100, 150 years. And the usage, the number of people on the planet, India and China coming online with more usage and need for power, is not going to last another 100 mm. years. As a matter of fact, 
some people are projecting uh, that we may have 10 or 15 years of uh, oil and gas left. And in fact, uh, if it's already peaked, you know, the, if you measure the amount of new oil that's being discovered and refined, and the, and and that's not growing as fast as it was, mm-hmm. and the demand is growing faster, mm-hmm. we're going to see in the next even even two or three years, we're going to start to see uh, demand cause prices to go up. And we've seen a little bit of it now with three dollar out here in California. We've got you know gas sometimes as high as three fifty or three seventy five a gallon. Today I think up the street from me it's three oh nine point nine. That's three ten, right? Okay, three dollars and ten cents a gallon. That's that's a little lower than what I'm coming to where you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it it you know it's not going to last. Uh, I don't see any way we can avoid having uh, four dollar gasoline before too long. And and in a couple of years, five or six dollar gasoline because it's just the nature of our of our uh, economy. You know, and when things get scarce, and when demand goes up, yes, goes up. yes, and and of course, it, there's such an um, an interesting and and alarming uh, connection between gas and our 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 greed and our consumption of it over the years, and that fueling literally terrorism because that's where all the terrorists get their money from. Our uh, the money that we have paid for gas over the years and and because we've been so um uh you know greedy in how we've been using it and so careless um you know that's contributed to another problem that we have in the world well it's it's our culture uh you know our culture honors uh money as the primary wealth yes. rather than for example spirituality and spirituality and and you know if you look at what people revere in this country and in the major Western countries, uh, it's you know it's creating more and more and more. It's uh, increasing consumerism. It's selling more, and that raises the level of uh, of standard of living for people. Uh, maybe you know, maybe in the short run it does. In the long run, it could cause major disaster. Yes, and I think for me the the symbol of all of that is um, SUVs. Are SUVs, and 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 certainly, <laughs> certainly, uh, it has boggled my mind as to why they keep being produced and why people are are uh, well. I know why people want them to feel more powerful, but why they keep being produced in light of global warming, um, it, it just boggles the mind. And maybe we can talk more about that and the forces out there. Um, that are going against protecting the earth uh, when we and come some, back. And things that people can do. Yes. Okay, we'll come back with that. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Lance Webster. He is one of the founders and the administrative director of ECHO. So stay tuned. We're talking about Live Earth was awesome, but now what? Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about what comes next after Live Earth. My guest is Lance Webster. He is a founder and administrative director of ECHO, the Earth Communications Office. And before the break, I was railing about SUVs, <laughs> um, which kind of also goes into what we started to talk about before, uh, the forces out there, <laughs> the evil forces um, that are against, you know, for their own greed, global warming. I mean, because obviously, why aren't there, for, to be simplistic, why aren't there... Um, Laws, for example. I mean, not that I want our, we have enough laws, especially with this administration, where get, our freedoms are getting curtailed more and more. So it's not that I really want more laws telling us what to do, but on the other hand, I mean, outlawing or, or somehow having a more control or stopping production now of SUVs would seem to be a pretty simple way to, um, to get to the bottom of a lot of gas waste. Well, you know, Carol, this this country was founded uh, on the principle of of not having government interfere. Yes, and I agree with and, that. You know, my mother was, you know, she never went to college, but she was an extraordinary woman, widely read, and she used to tell me. She said, you know, and you may know this too, that the more rats you put in a in a cage, the more erratic their behavior mm-hmm. becomes. And whenever whenever she would look at or hear news about something drastic that's gone on in the world, and she passed long before the the terrorist attacks, but there was lots of stuff in the 
fifties, sixties, seventies that she could say this about. She'd say she would just shake her head and say, "More rats in the cage." Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, you know, the population of this planet has exploded, literally exploded in the past thirty, forty years, and the projections are not good. I mean, we're going to in twenty or thirty years we're going to have fifty percent more people than we have now, mm-hmm. even though large numbers will be dying of all sorts of mm-hmm. environmentally induced and war induced things. Uh, you can't have this many people on the planet without some regulation. Now, the question is, you know, what regulations make sense? What regulations... Uh, there's a funny little story about cars. You know, when I first got involved with ECHO, I was hired as administrator back in uh, 89. Uh, I, I had a Jaguar, and it got about 14 miles to the gallon. And we had, a, as a guest speaker for the uh, entertainment industry, we brought in Dr. Steve Schneider, who's written a number of books on global warming back in the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, and he's a world-leading expert on global warming. And I went up to him after his first speech with us, and I said, I sort of guiltily said, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I have a Jaguar, and I feel terrible about it. And he said, well, yeah, but you, you, he knew that I worked in a home office and didn't commute and didn't drive very much. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're not part of the problem. The people with the SUVs who don't need them are part of the problem. Yeah. And and so, you know, people say, I have a right to have an SUV. Yes. Because, now, some people need an SUV. You know, if you've got three or four kids or if you're transporting a, a soccer team, uh, if you're in a business, you know, I have a friend who has an SUV. He's in a business that requires him to haul lots of tools and equipment around and signage and so forth. Uh, that's understandable. But yeah. the people who are buying SUVs for status, for power, for looks, those are the people you know who should pay a penalty of some kind. So maybe there should be a tax. I am. Yeah. Maybe there should be a, a higher tax on cars that that consume uh, more gas or that pollute more. Now, those, those things are measurable. Yes, I mean, it's better than saying you just can't have something. Um, I agree. Uh, or maybe there should be more tax incentives for people who are, you know, I mean, I know there are there are currently tax incentives now for people who um, uh, have certain kinds of cars, correct, the uh, yeah. hybrids? As a matter of fact, if you, if you buy, not lease a hybrid, but if you buy a hybrid, uh, there is a tax incentive, a couple thousand dollars. And I'll tell you what's an even bigger incentive in Los Angeles is they allow hybrids to use the carpool lanes mm. with only one person in them. Mm. I can't tell you how how uh, useful that is in getting around in this traffic. Mm. But you know there are a lot of other things. Let's let's get away from from the SUV thing for a minute because you know people love their SUVs and it's going to be hard to to jerk them away from them. I think that in the long run the thing to do is to set higher standards and make the uh, you know, Ford has an escape hybrid now. It's a small SUV, but it's a hybrid, and and it gets somewhere in the upper twenties uh, in miles per gallon. So it's possible to legislate higher standards for uh, the the miles per gallon, and maybe to tax the cars that don't do so well. That doesn't that doesn't stop people from having the car they want. It makes it makes them pay a penalty for it. Well, and of course, you know, ideally, um, one wouldn't have to make laws against it or, or penalties or whatever, but if the more people who wanted to um, be responsible for these things, um, you know, and, and wanted to voluntarily curtail uh, some of these wasteful habits, the better. 
But sure. You know, there's a, a funny thing. I right after I bought, I traded in my Ford Explorer for a Toyota Prius. I had to move, and I had to do a lot of the moving myself. And I could get just as much stuff in a Prius as I could in an Explorer. Hmm. Twenty-two cartons of books in either one. You know, hmm. it's amazing. But but if you have a car, just ease up on the gas a little bit. You know, passenger cars are responsible for as much as fifty percent of those emissions, and, and our cars emit. 20 pounds of carbon dioxide for every gallon of gas they burn. So if you can burn a little gas, you can use a lighter foot on the gas pedal and don't drive quite so fast, you're going to save money right there. If you keep your tires inflated properly, that saves gas. And that also, and, and you know, but it's not just about saving gas. We also want to uh, put fewer emissions in the air, so you got to look at that too. And what are, going back to what are the forces, who is trying to get us not to do uh, these and other energy-saving things? Well, you know, obviously the people who have a stake in the current status quo, you know, the oil companies, the gas companies, the coal companies. Uh, if you're for nuclear power, if you're against nuclear power, the nuclear power industry, if you're for nuclear power, you know, some people say, well, nuclear power is a lot cleaner in its in its generation of energy, that's true. Then there's the problem of what do we do with the waste. Mm-hmm. So you know, some people are for more nuclear power, some because it's cleaner. Some people are opposed to nuclear power because it's uh, we got the huge, tremendous problem of what do we do with the radioactive waste that lasts for thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of years. So th- their judgments have to be made. The bottom line is we need to start finding ways to use less energy. Uh, the simplest thing any any one of your listeners could do is go out and buy the light bulbs that uh, are more efficient. That's that's number one. Number two is uh, ride the gas pedal a little bit less. Number three is lower the temperature in your house. Uh, I mean, don't use quite as much air conditioning or heating. You know, in the in the winter, settle for a temperature that's a little cooler than you normally would. In the summer. Uh, a little warmer than you normally would. You know, I have a I have a control on mine that's that's not built in. Uh, it's an older apartment. The air conditioning is on the roof, and if it gets too hot and I run it too much, the air conditioner just stops. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to get ladders out and climb up on the roof and push a button, and that's you know. And so I just uh, monitor my own temperature that way a little bit. Um, you know, when you're when you can carpool or save your trips and make one trip instead of two or three trips to the stores, you know I I have re- regular routines. I have to take stuff to the to the post office. I have to go to the bank. I have to do grocery shopping or office supplies shopping. So I save all those for one trip instead of four. Mm-hmm. It's just it's an awareness. It requires what it requires is thinking. You know, seriously, if every American stopped and read one piece of literature on global warming and made a commitment to do one or two things in their lives, we could make a huge difference in the use of energy, yeah. the amount of carbon fuels we use, and the amount of pollutants we are responsible for. Yes, absolutely. Well, we need to take a break. Um, we will come back. I'm talking with Lance Webster. He is one of the founders and the administrator director of ECHO, and uh, we're talking about how to keep, how to help us all go green, how to keep this earth, Mother Earth, happy. 
which in turn will keep us all happy. So you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. In the ever-changing world of real estate, Mark Heller and Brian Church bring to Internet Talk Radio all the latest information, trends, and changes in the real estate market. And these guys pull no punches. That's Real Estate Talk with Mark Heller and Brian Church every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel. Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation, with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host, Terrence Wilson, the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcasts each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Lance Webster. He is a founder and administrative director of ECHO. We're talking about Live Earth Was Awesome, But Now What?, or beyond live earth. <laughs> We're talking about some of the things that you all can do to uh, make a difference. And again, it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to feel like you have to solve the whole problem all at once. You just have to incorporate uh, one change into your life. And then when you have that down pat, then another change and so on. Um, of course, the irony in all of this is that uh, 
um, as we feel more, um, as we feel less powerful in our lives with all of the forces that are threatening us, you know, it tends to make us want to do things like, um, like use more, use more gas, use bigger cars, you know, do things that will make us feel psychologically uh, more powerful. And, and ironically or, or paradoxically, that's really making life worse for you and for all of us. Um, you know, um, Lance, getting back to the people who are not uh, for um, or who are interfering, shall we say, with uh, doing the things that people need to do to save the planet, not only is it, um, of course, gas and oil companies and things like that, but we have car makers who um, are looking to make a profit with whichever car they're going to sell, and, and some of whom haven't made uh, hybrids and, and are afraid that isn't going to sell. And, of course, big business who manufacturers, for example, who um, don't want to incorporate the things that it would take to uh, Im- have less pollution in the air because it costs money to change over their systems. Um, well, Carol, remember this. We're at a point now where Toyota is about to overtake General Motors as the world's leading car company, and Toyota has a record of uh, cars that don't pollute, uh-huh. that, that don't use as much gas. And General Motors, you know, has fallen way behind. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, you know, that, when I said earlier that we are at a tipping point in people's consciousness about these concerns. Yes. One well, of the I... questions there. One of the what? That's one of the places where we're at tipping point. You okay. know, people are aware that they need to buy cars that are. Um, softer on the environment yes um well let's hope that the other car manufacturers uh realize that this is happening and start investing in uh, other you know environmental friendly things but also what i was saying about different kinds of uh, manufacturers factories um people who would have to uh put major changes you know in their water system in their in their um, system that gets rid of pollutants, you know, things that will cost money for them to change. And, of course, I mean, there are certain governmental incentives, you know, but I, but they're really not being very well, uh, very much encouraged because... Um, because well, Carol, we have, a, we have an economy that focuses businesses' attention on the short term rather yeah. than the long term. The fact is that in many, many cases... When a company invests in uh, systems that are that save uh, energy, they end up making money or coming out ahead in the long run. Yes, and that might be because of the costs being lower, or it might be because the um, people are beginning to recognize that they have to shop more sensibly. What do you mean? Well, they need. People are starting to realize, just as with Toyota, people are buying Toyotas instead of uh, General Motors cars because they recognize the need to be softer on the environment. Yes. Yeah. Now, there are other things, too, you know, like you can green your house. You can, there are, you know, way, there are numerous ways that you can, uh, that the average home can uh, save energy and be greener. So, you know, people want to start looking at 
you know, how, how, how the house that they're going to buy has been built. Has it been built to uh, conserve energy? Has it been built to uh, stay cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter? Yes. Of Do you remember, Dennis, you remember Dennis Weaver, the actor? Yes. Dennis Weaver had built a remarkable house in the, in the mountains in Colorado that was completely off the energy grid. It was built out of old tires and cans. <laughs> and and then with adobe over them, it looked like a lovely house, but it would absorb energy from the sun during the day and radiate that back at night. Hmm. He did not need to be on the power grid. Matter of fact, he was able to return power hmm. to the state. Yes, and of course, using uh, solar power heating is getting uh, very popular. And of course, the usual things of um, separating your garbage and recycling. Very simple. If it's not being done in your neighborhood, ask for it. Insist on it. You know, this this gets us back to actually one of the number one things that people can do, and that is raise your voice. Be heard. You know, we need to have laws that will steer our nation toward the most important solutions to, to global warming and to climate change. Cleaner cars, cleaner power plants, uh, recycling where it's appropriate and and the kind of recycling that's necessary. You know, we just we just had a law passed here in, in California in Los Angeles. I mean, um, uh, banning plastic, uh, you know, the plastic bags at supermarkets. Mm-hmm. People are starting to demand, and 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 nothing will change unless people do demand change. So people need to be aware, and people need to tell their politicians what they want. And also people need to go to your website before the show, <laughs> while we still have a couple of minutes left, oneearth.org. Oh, yeah. Oneearth.org. Because right. One Earth. Um, Earth. The, the videos that you have on that website are just so moving. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that people need to see more because um, it really touches our hearts. You know, you can't watch those um, videos talking about endangered species and and um, about the power of one and all of that without uh, really getting emotionally about. I mean, that's the whole key. It's it's nice to listen to cool music, but we need to really um, get emotionally involved in in how, what this destruction is already causing. Exactly. We sell a, a DVD, we sell two DVDs. One is a one minute and 43 second video called The Power of One, which people can see at our website. And then the other DVD that we sell has The Power of One and 21 other empowering uh, messages on it. And these are beautifully produced. They are voiced by celebrities like Pierce Brosnan, Patrick Stewart, Linda Hunt, uh, many others who donated their time for this project, and they're being bought and used by churches, by schools, by colleges, by um, environmental organizations, by motivational speakers. We sell them to anybody who wants to make a difference and, and can put together an audience and use them. Some people just have parties in their home to make their neighbors aware. So uh, our, the contact information is on the website, www.oneearth.com. Dot org. And I would really, and, yeah, again. Yeah, and, and I was just going to tell people to go look at those because they're so moving. Absolutely. 
you just uh, they're right there on the home page. You just run your your mouse over the over the title and and click on it, and it'll run on your computer. You don't yeah. even have to buy it if you hook your computer up to a big screen and invite the neighbors in. That'll work too. <laughs> uh, you know, but we the money that's the money that comes in from this is what helps us uh, continue to reach out to people all over the world. Yes, it's it's really so important. And, and I guess could you just say in like the thirty seconds we have left, um, you know, what about what do you say to people who like like our current administration who are saying, oh, well, these scientists who say that this is a problem are just wrong? Well, the the, the administration has changed its tune a little bit. Um, I was watching uh, President Bush on on television today. He was giving a speech somewhere. And he was talking about the importance of, uh, you know, conserving energy and so forth. It, it, you just have to hold their feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and you need to be knowledgeable. You know, if you want to read the, if you want to read a book, read Climate Crash by John D. Cox. You can get it on the internet. Uh, Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight by Tom T H O M Hartman. Uh, I just recommend those two because I just happened to have finished them and they're awesome books. But there's, you know. Google global warming and you'll find a million resources. Yes. People have to take the responsibility for, for understanding that this is not uh, a problem that's going to go away. It's a problem that's going to get worse. The yes. question is, how much worse will it get? Yes. Can we moderate the worseness a little bit Yes. so that it- we buy more time? Some people say, well, don't worry about it because we're getting, you know, uh, our science and technology will take care of everything. It won't yes, take it care of everything. It can't wrap around the globe. Well, Lance, thank you very much for being a guest on my show. Lance Webster, the A founder, a founder and administrative director of Echo. And again, that uh, website address that I really would recommend you watching. Your 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 heart will really be touched. It's called OneEarth.org. And to borrow a line from one of the videos there. We only have one planet, we only have one chance, and that's true. So figure out what it is that you can do. You've heard a, a whole array of examples of things that you can do. There's even more on the Internet, but do something. <laughs> no, you can't cure the problem all by yourself, but you and your friends and your family, if you each do something, that will start. And we do need to start because uh, we're going to look out our window one day and realize, uh-oh, we waited too long. And I, before I wait too long to end the show, uh, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 